welcome, welcome, welcome to episode... Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, I don't know where we are right now when it comes to what episode we're at. But anyway, this is Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. I'm back. I know it's been a while, folks. I've been gone from doing my podcast for quite some time now. I've taken some time away. Uh, I've been working in that time, just uh, making moves, basically. Uh, Excuse me, but um, it feels good to be back. You know, I I just, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot that I have to get off my chest, and I felt like now is the perfect time to bring back Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. So I thank you for rocking with me. I hope you're all doing well out there. I, like I said, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm just working a lot, and so I, I didn't really have a ton of time in the day to record a podcast. But today, it is Thursday, March 24th. I have all the time in the world to record a podcast, so that's what I'm going to do. And I think that's how it's going to be going forward. Whenever I have the time to record a podcast, I'm going to do it. So it's good to be back. Um, so... Let's see. Let's. What do we have to talk about here? I'm, I think what I'm going to try and do is keep this a little bit shorter than my previous podcast. I think you guys all remember how long my podcast could go on for. So I'm going to try to keep this shorter. I'm going to try and keep this relatively condensed. But, um, you know, no guarantees. <laughs> we'll see. But um, I, 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 there's a lot to talk about. So here's some of the things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Yankees offseason. Uh because, you know, there's a lot of hot take artists out there on Twitter uh, when it comes to the Yankees offseason. And, um, yeah, I, I have my thoughts on it, so I'll, I'll get, the, get that off my chest. I've kind of been holding on. I haven't really been too active on social media lately either, So uh, especially when it comes to the Yankees. So uh, I'll talk about that. Talk about uh, March Madness. Uh, Sweet 16 starts tonight. Uh, if you listen to this episode um, after tonight, I mean, there's still games this weekend. Sweet 16, Elite Eight this weekend. It's been a great tournament so far. I've really enjoyed watching it. I, I've like pretty much watched every game. Uh, I I love March Madness, folks. You know, it's kind of a weird thing. I am not a huge college basketball fan. Uh, I am a High Point alum, obviously, so I support the High Point Panthers, and I'm also a UConn fan because I grew up in Connecticut. I spent time, spent ten years living in Connecticut. And I had felt an attachment to UConn, and they were really good when I was living in Connecticut, too. I mean, they've always been a good program, but, I mean, they were, like, national champions when I was living in Connecticut. So I always kind of latched on to UConn, too. But I don't really get into college basketball until the tournament starts. So once it starts and all the, the craziness uh, goes down, uh, that's when I really get into college basketball. And also, I'll give you an update on uh, the 5th annual brian brennan bracket challenge i will give a standings update i'm not doing well at all folks i'm doing real bad in my bracket challenge uh really struggling i'm on the struggle bus when it comes to my bracket challenge but uh certain people are not so uh, i'll give you the top five i'll maybe top five to ten people in the standings and uh, i'll give you who they've got to win and everything we're also going to talk about usa versus mexico that's tonight. 10 p.m. at Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. This is a huge, huge window for the U.S. men's national team. They have a chance to qualify for the World Cup. We all remember what happened in 2017 when they did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup. And um, hoping to avoid 
a repeat of that. Uh, so I'll give my thoughts on that. Uh, it's definitely uh, nervous, nervous times if you're a U.S. men's national team fan. Uh, so I will talk about that. I've got a couple other stories. I'll, I might get into the Knicks a little bit. There isn't too much to say about the Knicks right now. They won last night. I'll give them, I'll give them love. They won last night in Charlotte. Uh, great, great performance by a lot of the kids. Obi Toppin played well. Evan Fournier broke the record for all-time three-pointers uh, in a season for the Knicks. He broke John Stark's record. Uh, but really, other than that, there's not a whole lot to talk about. They're not going to make the playoffs. It's kind of a lost season. Might get into a little bit of that. Rangers are looking good. Uh, they um, they lost their last game against the Devils, but um, they overall are looking like a playoff team. Igor Shosturkin, uh looks like he's going to win the Vezina Trophy for best goaltender in the NHL. Uh, and they just look like they're they're in right now. So we'll talk a little bit about that too. We'll probably have some outro stories for you guys as well. Uh, some other stuff that I might have missed. Uh, yeah, it just feels good to be back, guys. I, I, I missed podcasting. Like, I actually feel better now that I am talking to you through this medium. Like, I actually am in a better mood now that I am doing this. Uh, so, it's good to be back. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess, uh, why don't we just dive right into it, folks? Uh, I, I said I wouldn't make this a super, super long podcast. I'm going to try and stick to that. So why don't we just dive right into it, folks? Let's start with the Yankees offseason. My thoughts on that. Here we go. All right, so obviously the offseason this year for the Yankees has been heavily affected by the MLB lockout. Uh, That delayed things significantly. The lockout sucked. And, you know, I know I haven't really been on a lot lately, but uh, for a while it looked like we weren't going to have baseball uh, for the foreseeable future. But then, uh, luckily, they were able to come to an agreement uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, and baseball is back. Spring training games are being played as we speak. Uh, they're getting ready for the season. I'm fired up. You guys know how much I love baseball, so I'm pretty fired up that they got a deal done, even though I am not a huge fan of what happened? You know, the, the, the strike was bad. The strike was bad. Rob Manfred and his gang, as I call him, <laughs> uh, as I call them, uh, I do not think they handled this whole situation very well. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 the players, I give credit to them. They held out for what they wanted uh, as long as they could. But eventually, you know, it just came to be that we needed to play baseball and they got a deal done. Um we got a universal DH. I know uh, my guy, Carol Porter, CP3, uh, has been talking a lot of, to me about uh, a host of Sports on the Hill podcast. Go check them out, uh, Carol and Robbie. Uh, I was, I, I talked to Carol a lot about the universal DH, and Carol thinks it's a terrible idea. He thinks it's, a gr- it's a great that there's a difference between uh, the National League and the American League where the pitcher's hitting, and I am... I am strongly against that. I think the universal DH is one of the best things that could have ever happened to baseball. I think it is past time that the National League got the DH. Uh, so I am very happy to, to see it come. I am so sick of pitchers hitting. I hate pitchers hitting. I know Pat Stein, I know you're listening. I, I know Bartolo Colon hit a home run one time, and it was awesome. That was a great moment. Don't get me wrong. I am not taking a shit on the Bartolo Colon moment. I am taking a shit on the idea of pitchers hitting altogether because most times, you know, pitchers go up there, 
They see three strikes in a row, and then they head back to the bench. It's just a waste of everyone's time. I'd much rather see somebody up there uh, who can actually hit. You know, somebody who can actually swing the bat. So I, I would like to see an actual hitter instead of somebody who can't. And I, like I said, there are guys, there are pitchers who can hit. I mean, there's Otani. He can do both. He can pitch and he can hit. But even besides Otani, there are a couple of pitchers who have actually proven to be pretty good hitters. But still, the majority of pitchers are not good hitters, and the universal DH is something that needed to happen. So I am glad that was instituted uh, after the MLB lockout. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it looks like they were going to get rid of the seven-inning doubleheaders and uh, the runner on second in extra innings, the Manfred man, as he's known. as. Um, but it appears those are here to stay for at least one more season. I've seen a few people, Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, we'll get to the Yankees in just a second, but um, Aaron Boone said he likes the Manfred man uh, because, you know, nobody really wanted, you know, it, doesn't it doesn't prolong the game for a super long amount of time, but um, I, I I I've never I just want baseball to be played the way it is. Like I just I don't I think that's you know it's just cheapens the game to already start out with a runner on base. I I don't know, guy. I've never been a big fan of that. And the seven inning double headers. I mean, we it's, it's I don't like that either. I mean, baseball is supposed to be nine innings. I mean, this isn't Little League here, guys. Like, we should be playing nine innings of baseball. So uh, I'm disappointed that those rules are coming back. Uh, I was really bummed when I saw that the other day. Uh, but I'll take it for a baseball season. I'm just, like I said, I'm just glad there is baseball uh, coming on April 7th. That's opening day. Uh, as I believe two weeks from today, actually. Two weeks from today. There will be baseball, so that's that's exciting. Let's go, let's go. Um, all right, so on to the Yankees now. Um, everybody expected the Yankees to spend big this offseason, I feel, on either a shortstop, a first baseman, uh, especially shortstop with all the guys who are out there, uh, the Corey Seegers, uh, the Trevor Stories, and the Carlos Correas. Um, Seeger ended up going to the Rangers before the blockout even started. Uh, and then after the lockout, everybody expected the Yankees to sign either Trevor Story or Carlos Correa. Instead, what ends up happening is the Yankees make a trade. They trade Gary Sanchez, and they trade Gio Urshela to the Minnesota Twins for Josh Donaldson. Josh Don I'm still surprised by this. Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who is a shortstop, basically taking them out of the running for uh, Correa or um, or uh, Story, uh, basically saying Isaiah Kiner-Falefa uh, is our shortstop, and you know at the same time, I, I trading Gary Sanchez and, and Gio Urshela. I know Gary Sanchez is a bit of a lightning rod uh, for controversy among Yankee fans. There's a section of I would say Yankee Twitter who says that Gary Sanchez is great and is a great catcher, and the Yankees should have kept him. And then there's a, a very vocal section of Yankees Twitter that I think includes my dad uh, and Dominic and Eric and all those guys in my Yankee group chat who think Gary Sanchez sucks and like really can't play. Um, so Gary Sanchez goes. Also, the Yankees in the trade, they get uh, Ben Roverdirt. I, 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 Rortvert, I, I can't pronounce this dude's last name yet, but I'm, I'm going to get it. I'll get it by the time the season starts. I promise, guys. I promise. 
Uh, and he is expected to share the catching position with, with Higgy, with Kyle Higashioka, uh, now that Gary Sanchez is gone. So trading Gary Sanchez is a one thing, and then Gio Rochella goes as well uh, in the trade. Uh, they said, uh, Aaron Boone literally said the day before the trade, uh, if the season starts now, Gio Urshela is our shortstop. And then they turn around and trade the dude. I know a lot of the guys on the Yankees were really sad about Gio Urshela going. Uh, I know Glaber Torres was really upset. He posted on Instagram. He was really sad. And I'm sure he's friends with Sanchez, too. I'm sure, I'm sure they're all dudes. But, um... I honestly was okay with giving up Geo. You know, um, I, I Geo, I did not think was great last year. Honestly, I thought he was great in 2019. I mean, he was, came on the scene in 2019. 2020's the COVID year, so nothing really. You know, that you can kind of throw it out the window there. But I thought last year as a whole, Gio Urshela's offense and defense both got worse. So I was okay with getting rid of Geo. Now bringing in Josh Donaldson. Uh, was very interesting. I know Josh Donaldson is the former MVP. He's the bringer of rain. He can really swing the bat. But, I mean, you can go back and listen to episodes of this podcast just last year when we talked in depth about the beef he has with Garrett Cole, who is the ace of this Yankees team, and called him out, you know, the pine tar ban, the sticky stuff ban from last season. Uh, Donaldson pointed out that Cole's spin rate had gone down since the the sticky stuff ban, and you know Cole, if I remember correctly, proceeded to strike him out on three straight pitches the first time they went up against each other. Uh, I'm just saying, but still, uh, I was the, the that was my first thought when I saw this trade was how is Donaldson going to fit into this clubhouse? How is Josh Donaldson going to fit into this locker room? Now, honestly, the Isaiah Kiner Falefa, I actually am kind of excited about. Uh, I actually really like Isaiah Kiner Falefa at. Like, I think that, like, since the Yankees didn't get Correa and they didn't get Trevor Story, I am actually okay with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. He's basically a stopgap, if you will, for Anthony Volpe, who is expected to be, you know, everybody's got high expectations of Volpe, including Brian Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, uh, the owners of the team. Everybody expects a lot out of him. But Kiner-Falefa, I think, will hold his own. At shortstop, he's very good defensively. He's not really a power guy. He doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but he does does all right with the bat. I'm, I'm excited to see him in this lineup. Now, honestly, uh, as far as not getting Correa, and first off, the Twins, I'll be honest, the Twins finessed the Yankees. Let, let's be real. Let's let's just call it like it, like it is, guys. I, 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 do, I try not to, you know, really be negative when it comes to this stuff, but... I, and that's what happened, okay? They basically did a salary dump on the Yankees. They got rid of Josh Donaldson's contract, and, and uh, they were able to free up the shortstop spot that we previously had with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who they just traded for, and they were able to get Carlos Correa on a ridiculous contract. I mean, it's $103 million for three years. That is obscene amount of money. So Carlos Correa secured the bag. He also has an opt-out after every year in that contract. I know there was a lot of heated debate on Yankee Twitter about whether the Yankees should bring in Carlos Correa. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a good argument. Like, I, I was not really a huge fan of bringing on Correa just because of the stink of the 2017 Astros um, that would lay upon him. And I'm sure 
a ton of guys. I'm sure Aaron Judge, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, is not would not particularly welcome Carlos Correa into the clubhouse. But there is something to be said that you know the Yankees have welcomed guys back with domestic violence. I mean, just just a year or two ago it was Domingo Herman who got suspended for domestic violence, and he had to win his way back onto the team. It rolled as Chapman, same thing. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, is something like a cheating scandal, like really that bad of a look to bring somebody like him on. But he secured the bag. He secured the bag with, with Minnesota. I'm sure Bennett Hull is really hyped up, my guy up in Minnesota. Uh, I, 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 I think he's pretty happy. Um, I mean, the Twins actually look pretty good now. I mean, now that they've got Gary Sanchez... Gio Urshela and Carlos Correa on their team. And they absolutely finessed the Yankees, like I said. They, they finessed them. They, they were able to basically dump Josh Donaldson onto the Yankees. Not that Josh Donaldson can't be good for the Yankees, but that's basically what they did. They were able to free up the money and sign Carlos Correa. So that's what happened there. And as far as first base goes, um, uh, I mean... I would have been okay with Freddie Freeman or Matt Olson coming to this team. Uh, I would have been okay with um, with either of them. They're both lefty bats, built for Yankee Stadium. But it sounds like Freeman had no interest at all in coming to the Yankees. It sounds like he had his heart set on staying with the Braves, and unfortunately it didn't work out, and he quickly pivoted and went to the Dodgers. Um, and Matt Olson. You know, the Braves ended up with Matt Olson, and I think he could end up being a really good pickup for the Atlanta Braves. But, you know, I, I, again, you know, I guess the Yankees just didn't want to part ways with any huge prospect. I mean, Olson, Olson got a pretty, the A's got a pretty big return for Olson from the Braves. And, and, and also, Atlanta gave him a huge contract. And we're going to talk about Judge in a second, but, you know, that's enough. If the Yankees would have to sign Olson to that huge contract, that's another huge contract on the books. So, I think they did the smart thing. They went to Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo was great, I thought, in his brief stint with the Yankees last season. So I am glad they brought him back. Uh, I, I think he can be good at first base. In general, I think this infield is interesting. Uh, I think Rizzo is good. I, I'm, second base, is it going to be DJ, who kind of underperformed? It was an offseason for DJ, but he only hit 270. He's hit 270 last year. He didn't have a terrible season. Glaber Torres did have an offseason last year, though, and he's somebody who needs to bounce back. He played better as the season went on. He was able to move from, uh, second, from shortstop to second base. So uh, I'm interested to see what happens there. Isaiah Conner Falefa, I already talked about him, and Josh Donaldson. I mean,. I guess Josh Donaldson's going to start at third base. I guess DJ will play some at third base as well. Maybe Donaldson DHs a little bit. Um, look, a lot of Yankee fans are really negative about this team. All right, it's a lot. A lot of Yankee fans are, you know, saying, you know, sell the team, Hal, and, and things like that, and you fire Brian Cashman, fire Boone, like and get rid of everybody trade everybody like it's very negative honestly twi- you should pr- i should probably avoid yankee twitter honestly because some of these people just have some like extreme extreme opinions and look i get the anger you know i i this is the yankees okay a lot of people expect the yankees to spend a lot of money more money than anybody but you know they I, there's a lot to keep in mind here they signed garrett cole to a huge contract just a, two years ago they, saw, they have John Carlos Stanton's contract on, on the books uh, for the next seven, six, seven years. And also, there's Aaron Judge, 
who they need to sign to an extension. I mean, they absolutely need to sign Aaron Judge to an extension, preferably in the next two weeks before opening day would be good. So there's a lot to keep in mind for the Yankees. I'm, I, 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 I don't know if I feel like you know cheap is too strong. They're coming in with the strongest with their, uh, according to Brian Cashman at least, and you know who knows what, if what he's saying is true. According to Brian Cashman, they're coming in with their biggest payroll ever. So look, I am not you know fire Hal or, or sell the team Hal or fire Cashman. I can't be yet. I can't be yet. Uh, if things if they struggle to start the season, if they struggle to you know really if and if the other teams in the AL East get off to good starts, things could get dicey, uh, and and that's when moves could be made. That's when guys could get fired. I I, I I that's when I think I'll get frustrated. So I am not really too mad yet, honestly. I am not really like frustrated with the Yankees offseason. I'm just I just want to see how the season plays out. The AL East is going to be a dogfight this season. The AL East is going to be brutal this season. We could have four teams that win 90 games this season. Um, I, I, I a lot of people are hyping up Toronto, and with good reason. Toronto had a great offseason. They got Gossman. They got uh, somebody else. They got another pitcher, I think, too. Uh, Barrios, they got Barrios in the trade deadline last year, so they got they got him now, and then they traded for Matt Chapman. So, and then just to add to an already lethal Blue Jay uh, starting lineup with Vlad Jr. and all the young guys, uh, so they're a threat. The Tampa Bay Rays are always a threat, uh, and you know Trevor Story. I'm kind of okay with the Yankees not getting Trevor Story. Okay. Like, I, I like Trevor. Like, he's an all right player, but if you look at his stats away from Coors Field, they're not great. Now, he is going to Fenway, which is a great hitter's park. Uh, so he might do well at Fenway, but he's also got a bad throwing arm. And I know the Red Sox, at least according to uh, Ethan Winter, who will probably be on the podcast sometime soon to preview the baseball season, uh, according to Ethan, uh, they're going to put him at second base and to keep Xander Bogarts at shortstop. So. I, I, I'm not a huge Trevor Story guy. I was kind of okay when the Yankees ended up not getting Trevor Story either. But um, they're going to be good. You know what? The Red Sox will be good. They, they made the playoffs last year. They almost went to the World Series. Red Sox are going to be good too. So that's four teams. And I think this Yankee team can compete with any of them, honestly. I think this Yankee team will make the playoffs. But I, I don't know whether it be as a wild card, whether the Blue Jays or Rays or Red Sox are going to win the division. I still think this team will make the playoffs, though. Uh, as the as as I, I mean, but we still need. Uh, I mean, I think the Yankees could still make some moves. Honestly, Sean Manaya from the A's. It doesn't seem like the A's are. I mean, it seems like the A's are trading everybody right now. I mean, they traded Olson, they traded Chapman. Sounds like they're trading everybody. Uh, Sean Manaya and Frankie Montez. I keep saying Frankie Munez. It's Frankie Montez from the A's are two starters that I would be interested in. And as much as I would love to see Glaber bounce back, he just became a dad uh, earlier this week. So shout out to Glaber. But um, as much as I would love to see him bounce back, I would not be opposed to packaging him in a deal for one of those guys or a Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds. Um, I, I, I don't think they're done making moves. They're obviously done signing free agents. Uh, they didn't really sign any free agents, but still, I, I think uh, I think they they could. There's a chance they could make some 
some moves there. We'll we'll get we'll preview the baseball season as we get a little bit closer to it. Um, the Mets look good too. I, I gotta say, uh, they got Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom. Yo, that's really good. <laughs> that's two of the best pitchers arguably ever on your starting rotation. I mean. Come on. And Scherzer secured the bag. I, mean, I know I've said secured the bag like 20 times this this uh, episode so far, but Scherzer did secure the bag. He's getting $40 million a year. Uh, I mean, that that's just crazy. I, the Mets, I think, are going to be a threat in the National League. We'll, we'll probably talk about them as we get a little closer to the season as well. Uh, I, I'm just really excited for baseball to, to be back. Um, you know, it's, it's like the this, it signifies like the return of spring and summer and warm weather when baseball is back. So, looking forward to it. I'll probably make my way up to Yankee Stadium uh, a few times this year. Uh, probably down to Nats Park a few times this year as well. Maybe Camden once or twice if I can. Uh, I'm just happy it's over. I, I like I said, Manfred and his gang tried to screw us over, but we're getting baseball here, folks. And uh, it's good to see. It's good to see. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, in baseball I, I need to talk about. I, I, if I think of anything, I'll add it later. But those are my thoughts on the Yankees offseason. Just relax, people, okay? Just relax. Let the season play out. Let the season play out. And also, you know, it's I, I, I was going to save this for the outro, but I'll talk about it now. Um, they, they, they just announced today that uh, unvaccinated uh, Yankees, Mets, and Kyrie Irving can all play. Uh, they're getting rid of the mandate. Look, you guys know I am extremely pro-vaccine. Uh, I am extremely, like, I think everybody who hasn't gotten their COVID vaccine should get it uh, now, as soon as possible, preferably, because it, it'll really help you. I am as pro-vaccine as it gets. Uh, I still think that this mandate is dumb. Uh, I thought it was dumb, at least, now that it's gone. Uh, I think there is a way you can feel, um, you can feel, you can be pro-vaccine, you can be very pro-vaccine, and you can also think that this mandate is stupid, all right? It's, 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 they're not mutually exclusive, the private sector mandate. Like, it would have been dumb for unvaccinated Yankees. A lot of people think Aaron Judge is unvaccinated, for example. I, I don't know. I, I, I. I mean, look, I, I hate to say it, but uh, they asked him last week, uh, are you vaccinated? They straight up asked him at a press conference, are you vaccinated? And Aaron Judge said, I'm just really excited for spring training, man. Like, I'm really excited for spring training. So, I mean, look, vaccinated people don't normally answer the question, are you vaccinated with, I'm excited for spring training. So, uh, yeah, uh, Aaron Judge probably unvaccinated. So I hate to say it, but it's pr- probably true. And uh, so it's a good thing that, he uh that they they they're getting rid of the mandate i mean and Kyrie Irving the same thing like it's bullshit that Kyrie Irving was allowed to sit courtside at a Nets game maskless too courtside at a Nets game but he wasn't allowed to play he's allowed to sit there and watch his team and and not play how does that make any sense at all i'm sorry this mandate is dumb this mandate was dumb uh, again, I'm as pro-vax as it gets, but that mandate had to go, and I am glad it is removed. Apparently, the Mets had a good amount of unvaccinated players as well. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's good news. That's good news as well. I forgot to mention Luke Voigt also got traded. I don't know why all this talk about unvaccinated people got me thinking about Luke Voigt. 
Uh, you know, Luke Voigt, I, I thought he um, he had his, you know, I think Hubs on Twitter put it best. Uh, Hubs, the barstool writer uh, who covers the Yankees. Uh, I think Hubs put it best. He said that Luke Voigt got rid of Greg Bird for us, and for that I am eternally grateful. Yeah, I think uh, when Rizzo came back, there was just no place for Voigt on this team. So he goes to San Diego, uh, already really good team with Machado. I know Tatis is out for the first couple months of the season, first couple, I think it's a month or two of the season. Um, but Machado is there. It's a good Cronenworth. Those guys are – it's a good – San Diego team, and you know, with the DEH, uh, he'll get to play a lot more. So um, I'm glad that Luke Voigt is is getting his chance uh, to play in San Diego. Good for him. Uh, and yeah, anything else? Uh, I don't think anybody else. Real again. Good luck to Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez in Minnesota. Um, not to Carlos Correa though. Forever screw Carlos Correa and the Astros. Uh, ass. But um, good luck to, to Gio Rochella and Gary Sanchez. Uh, they seem like nice people, and, you know, you guys know how I feel about nice people. I want them to do well. So uh, I, I want Gary Sanchez uh, and uh, Gio Rochella to do well. Um, and let's just wait and see how this season goes. I'm not saying it's a give-up season. A lot of people are saying the Yankees quit on the season before the season even started. Relax, people. Let's see them play. If they start to lose some games, then let's freak out. All right, then that's the time to freak out. But for now, let's take a page from Aaron Rodgers' playbook and R-E-L-A-X. Relax. All right, that's enough baseball talk for now. Let's move into some March Madness talk. Man, my voice, like I have not talked that lo- that much consecutively in a long time. So my throat's a little sore. My throat's a little sore. I'll try and make this uh, college basketball segment a little bit shorter, a little bit shorter. But I'll, let's talk a little bit about you know the tournament so far. Um, the first the first games of the tournament. Uh, I really like I said. I've really enjoyed this tournament so far. Uh, just going back to like even the the. The um, the conference tournaments the week before were great as well. Uh, I, I watched a lot of that. I watched a lot of the ACC tournament. I watched a lot of the A-10 tournament for my guy Tim Clark. He's a Richmond Spiders alum. So I watched a lot of that for, for him. Uh, I watched the Big East tournament a lot, uh, which Villanova won. My guy Arun. Shout out to Arun. Uh, Villanova winning the Big East conference. And so it's just been a great month. We'll get into the bracket challenge in a minute and who the top five are in the bracket challenge uh but just going through the first day of games uh last thursday march 17th it was saint patrick's day it was a great day to just chill at home and watch college basketball all day which is exactly what i did as soon as i got off work so um it was a good day um uh i had i had colorado state uh i am very surprised michigan made this tournament guys and here they are they're in the sweet 16 they're playing villanova tonight so I, I, I'm very surprised that Michigan made this tournament. Uh, obviously, I haven't really been doing the podcast for a while, so I didn't really get a chance to talk about the Juwan Howard situation where he, he, where he literally choked a, a, another coach. 
I mean, or, or, I mean, what the hell, man? Juwan Howard. I mean, that was that was a lot of. Or, you know, he threw hands is what he did. He threw hands at, at another coach. I mean, that gets a lot of coaches fired. But Juwan Howard was only suspended for the rest of the regular season, and I thought seventeen and fourteen with that hanging over their heads. I thought Michigan was going to be done quickly. Uh, but Colorado State. Um, they they pretty much beat Colorado State pretty easily in the first game of the tournament, 75-63. Providence over South Dakota State. South Dakota State was a popular upset pick. Providence uh, and my guy Chris Crawford. Uh, I think we I think he's doing well in the bracket challenge. We'll see in a minute. But uh, they they did they won their first game. Memphis Boise State was a, a good eight nine matchup, uh, but Memphis prevailed there. Baylor over Norfolk State. We all knew about that. Uh, now I knew a little bit about Longwood, uh, going into this tournament because obviously I'm a high point Panther, a big South conference. Um, uh, and I, I follow Longwood pretty well actually because they're in the big South conference and, um, they pretty much dominated the big South conference, uh, championship game. I think it was against Winthrop. Uh, so I thought they might have a chance against Tennessee. <laughs> I was wrong. Tennessee crushed them, uh, 88, 56, uh, Richmond, again, shout out to Tim. A great run through the A-10 tournament. I was talking to Tim about this before the, even the A-10 tournament was over, and he said, basically, we need to win the entire A-10 tournament just to even have a chance of making the NCAA tournament. Uh, and uh, they did. They went on a great run in the A-10, and then they upset Iowa in the first game, of their first game of the tournament in the, suite, in the round of 64. Uh, great stuff. From Richmond there. Again, I, I know they lost their next game, but congratulations to Tim on that. Uh, again, not uh, then the big upset of the first day. I'm going to skip some of these games. I don't need to talk about Gonzaga or North Carolina's blowout wins. But St. Peter's over Kentucky was the great, great, great upset. Uh, game went to overtime. And honestly, when I when that went game went to overtime, I thought St. Peter's was done. Because overtime is where underdogs go to die. And I thought that was it for St. Peter's. But they prevailed strong over a tired Kentucky team, the number two seeded Kentucky Wildcats. And they win a great victory for St. Peter's. Their, their head coach, I mean, St. Peter's is a great story, guys. I'm excited to watch them tomorrow night. St. Peter's, they're repping Jersey City strong. Tri-State represents Jer- St. Peter's, baby. I'm loving it. They are my bandwagon team. I, I, I don't know how much further they're going to go, but that was a great story as well. Uh, and that was pretty much it for uh, big games. Actually, let me see. The, the Murray State-San Francisco game went to overtime. I was asleep by then. And Creighton-San Diego State, also a good game. The 9-8 matchup uh, in that one. Uh, that went to overtime. That was the first day of the tournament. Uh, Arkansas-Vermont was pretty good as well. And so was UCLA-Akron. Uh, but that was that was pretty much it for the first day of the tournament. Um, I thought Loyola Chicago was going to beat Ohio State, honestly. Uh, maybe I was blinded by their past tournament success uh, the first Friday game, but Ohio State blew them out. Um, and just looking through uh, all the scores from the second day of the NCAA tournament, Miami-USC was a great game. Back and forth, came down to the wire. Miami got free throws with like two seconds left to win the game. Uh, that was a great game. Uh, let's see. Illinois Chattanooga. Oh, baby. That was a classic. That was a great, great game. Illinois winning by one point. Illinois actually only had the lead in that game for, I think, the last 29 seconds or so of the game. That was the only point in which Illinois held the lead 
in that game. I, I was surprised. Surprised to see them. But overall, I thought the second day uh, of the first round was not as great. Michigan State over Davidson, a one-point victory was great. That was a good game. Um, Wisconsin, Colgate came down to the wire, but Wisconsin kind of pulled away at the end. Uh, that was it for the second day. Uh, then on to the round of 32. The best game, the best game of this tournament so far, without a doubt in my opinion, was North Carolina versus Baylor. Uh, North Carolina had a 25-point lead at one point in this game. And then one of their players, I can't remember his name, got ejected for what I thought was a very soft flagrant two. I mean, a flagrant one, yes. Like, free throws in the ball, sure. But to throw him out of the game was a little extreme there on the referee's part, in my opinion. And that completely allowed, plus some players fouling out for North Carolina as well, allowed Baylor back into this game. They come back from a 25-point deficit. I can feel my friends who are Tar Heel fans sweating all over North Carolina and the rest of the country watching this game. But in overtime, I thought when this game went to overtime, when Baylor tied it up and the game went to overtime, I, again, this is where underdogs go to die. Overtime. I thought North Carolina was done, but they responded strong in that overtime. Without a doubt. That was a great overtime performance by North Carolina. They put the hammer down, and they eliminate the defending national champions, Baylor. I lose my first Final Four team in that loss, but I don't care because it was a great, great game. North Carolina wins 93-68. to 68. Uh, Creighton, can't, like I said, best game of the tournament in my opinion. I love that game so far. Uh, in my opinion, probably the best game of the tournament. And then the rest of the day, uh, I don't think there was anything as exciting as that. Um, Gonzaga, Memphis, I didn't watch that game, but it came down to the wire. And Gonzaga only won by four. Uh, Arkansas, New Mexico State. I forgot to mention, New Mexico State eliminated UConn. Uh, Teddy Basketball, that kid, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. But Arkansas, uh, who Greg ha has winning the national championship, we'll get to um, the bracket challenge in just a second. Uh, he, he's got them winning the national championship. But uh, they win that game to advance to the Sweet 16. Uh, Providence knocks out Richmond. Michigan uh, pulls off a close win over Tennessee. Again, I'm so surprised they even made the tournament. But they did. And... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for the Saturday action. Nothing really topped UNC Baylor, in my opinion. Uh, I thought that was the best game of the tournament so far. And then on Sunday, uh, Houston, Illinois. Uh, Houston ended up pulling away late there. I thought Illinois was going to win, uh, but ultimately Houston was uh, victorious in that one. Uh, Villanova gets the win over Ohio State. Uh, and then um, Duke-Michigan State was pretty good. Um I, a lot of people thought it would be fitting if, if Coach Izzo was the one to knock out Coach K and to end uh, his career. But uh, And it was looking like it, it was a pretty back-and-forth game for a while. Michigan State had a lead kind of late, but uh, Duke does prevail in the end. I think Duke was the better team. Uh, Iowa State, Wisconsin, and Texas Tech, Notre Dame were good. Iowa State and Texas Tech getting the wins um, pretty there. Um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, Arizona TCU uh, actually went to overtime. This game was really late. I didn't watch it, but um, that that game was supposed to be pretty good. Arizona ended up winning by five points, eighty-five to eighty. So, and there, there's an example of where underdogs go to die in overtime. Uh, TCU losing to Arizona there. So, just taking a quick look at the Thursday slate of games. That's tonight, March twenty-fourth. There are four games 
tonight. And they're all starting at around the same time as each other. So, or well, the two it's two games at a time, basically. Is what I'm trying to say. The first game is Arkansas versus Gonzaga. That game's at seven o'clock tonight. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, yes, Gonzaga is a nine and a half point favorite in that game. Uh, I I expect Gonzaga to win that game. No disrespect to Arkansas, but I think Gonzaga is is. I mean, they've been here so many times before. I think they've made the the Sweet 16 like seven years in a row or something like that. So they're experienced. They they're going to get this done. Uh, Michigan Villanova is a big game as well. Uh, obviously, Michigan's on a bit of a run right now, but Villanova has been another team that's been here before. Jay Wright has been in the spot many times. Uh, I think Villanova will probably get it done there. Texas Tech Duke would love to see Texas Tech and Coach. Oh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about um, the last game of the season, which I did watch uh, between UNC and Duke, where UNC went to Chapel Hill, or excuse me, went to not Chapel Hill. UNC plays in Chapel. They went to. Uh, they went to, D- to Durham, to Cameron Indoor, and they won on Coach K's last game there. And Coach K, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty funny when he apologized. He's like, I need to apologize for what happened today. And the crowd was like, no, 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 you don't. He's like, hey, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. I'm like, chill out, dude. Like, right, relax, Coach K, relax. Um, I didn't even talk about that. Uh, that was, a, I'm sure... Uh, all my friends who were UNC fans were very happy that day. Uh, I'm sure I've actually seen some UNC fans say that they don't even care if they win the national championship because they won that game. So, yeah. Uh, but I would love to see Texas Tech eliminate Duke tonight. That would be great. I don't really like Duke. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. And the little nightcap tonight at 10 o'clock, the same time as the USA Mexico game. So it's getting relegated to the second TV tonight. Uh, that's Arizona versus Houston. Arizona is actually only a one and a half point favorite. Uh, Houston is, I mean, they look really good in that game against Illinois. Uh, I could see them pulling off the upset. It's going to be a good one. Arizona has been a good team all season. They're number one. They're number one seed for a reason. Uh, that's going to be a good one. And then on Friday, uh, the first game is St. Peter's versus Purdue. I think everybody is rooting for St. Peter's. It would be awesome to see this, them continue this. Right, only three 15 seeds have ever advanced to the uh, Sweet 16 before. They are only the third. No team has ever advanced to the Elite Eight. Uh, I, I remember Oral Roberts and Florida Gulf Coast were the other two. Uh, they were all within the last decade, if I'm not mistaken, too. So it would be cool to see St. Peter's um, pull off another upset of Purdue. Uh, Purdue is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I'd hammer that, folks. I'd hammer St. Peter's. In that one, honestly, uh, 12 and a half points. It's a lot. Uh, and St. Peter's has proven they can play again well against good teams. So I'd hammer that if, if you, you know, if you're listening out there and you're thinking about placing some bets, I, I, I would hammer St. Peter's in this one. Um, the line at least, uh, Providence, Kansas is another is seven and a half point favorite for Kansas. Um, I am not really been high on Providence this season. Sorry, Chris. Sorry to my friend Chris Crawford, who I was actually just talking to this morning. Uh, sorry to Chris. Uh, I, I feel bad saying that I don't believe in your team because I know how big of a Providence fan you are, but I don't. I think they're they're phony, honestly. Uh, I think they're 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 fraudulent. I, I just don't think they're that good of a team. Uh, I, I I they've they when they go up against good teams they struggle. I expect Kansas to win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it easily again. Sorry, Chris. I, I apologize again. Uh, UNC uh, UCLA 
is good. I, these are two obviously great programs. Been around for a long time. UCLA is a two and a half point favorite. Um, I, I I I don't know. UNC coming off their big win against Baylor. Uh, I could see UNC winning this game. I, I could I could see UNC winning this game. And then finally, Iowa State Miami is the last game of the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, that's the nightcap tomorrow night at ten o'clock. Uh, Iowa State. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot about either of these teams. I know they've had a couple close victories uh, in the NCAA tournament so far, but they've been stuck on the late games, and I usually fall asleep mad early these days. So um, I, I've missed some of their games, but this will be an interesting game to watch for sure. Uh, the 11-10 matchup, uh, keep your eyes on that. Uh, and that is it for the games upcoming. Like I said, it's been a great tournament so far, in my opinion. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm looking forward to the games tonight. Uh, unfortunately, it has to compete with my attention uh, with USA-Mexico, but um, this tournament's been really good. Now, on to the bracket challenge. I'm going to go through the top five of my bracket. I'll do the top ten. Why not? I'll do the top ten of my bracket challenge. I think I'm just going to give away an Amazon gift card as the prize. Um and uh, I might give away a guest spot on this podcast as well. Um, I think I think I want I think people will want to hear from the winner. So it's, now that we're back doing episodes again, I think the guest spot's gonna gonna come back this year. Uh, in first place in my bracket challenge, uh, we didn't get as many people this year. It was only thirty-seven people this year, but that's fine. I I, I was actually telling telling uh, Robbie in the group chat uh, earlier uh, last week about that. I I don't care how many people do it. I just want people to have fun. Uh, in first place is Greg, and Greg's bracket name is Two Years of COVID, Still No Sex. I'm just reading it, folks. Two Years of COVID, Still No Sex. Greg Sensale is leading the bracket. Now, Greg has Arkansas winning. He lives in Arkansas. He's, um, I think he's just going with the hometown team there. Uh, he has Arkansas beating Arizona in his championship. So if that happens... Greg will win the bracket challenge. Greg Sensale will win the bracket challenge. Uh, let me go back and take a look at who's in second. In second is Brian. It's B-R-Y-A-N. And he's student of law eye nursing. Uh, I believe this is Brian Rothhamel. I, I think it's Brian Rothhamel. Uh, it's B-R-Y-A-N. Uh, I only know two people who spell their, their the Brian that way, the incorrect way as I call it. Uh, he is one of them. He has Gonzaga beating Villanova in the national championship game, which is actually the same national championship game that I have. So um, Brian uh, is in second right now, very much alive. I would say that has a bigger chance of of getting in get of being uh, of happening uh, than Greg, who has Arkansas in the national championship. And I don't see Arkansas winning the national championship. Uh, also tied for second is Robbie. Robbie Gross. Uh, we all know Robbie, uh, host of Sports on the Hill. Now, Robbie has been boosted by the fact that he has UNC winning the national championship. Robbie is a UNC fan. I mean, Robbie claims he's a fan of like 10 different teams. So, I mean, it's nothing special. But he is a UNC fan. He claims he's a UNC fan. Uh, and he has them beating Kansas in the national championship game. Uh, all of Robbie's Final Four is still alive. Gonzaga, UNC, Arizona, and Kansas. So uh, Robbie is tied for second, technically, in the bracket challenge. And, I, and if UNC goes on a run, um, he has a chance. My dad 
is actually in fourth. Uh, Patrick's superb bracket. Now, I know a lot of Pats, as you know, so uh, I wasn't sure who this is, but it turns out it's my dad. Uh, he is not going to win, though, because my dad had Wisconsin winning the whole thing, and Wisconsin has been eliminated from the tournament. But my dad, as of this moment, sits in fourth. I mentioned Bennett and how happy he is that the Twins got Carlos Correa and Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Um, Bennett is actually in fifth right now, and he has a chance, I would say, because he has Gonzaga and Arizona playing in the national championship and Gonzaga winning, so I would say he has a chance. Um, it's I could, could come down to him or Brian, honestly. And Robbie still has a chance, too. Rita, Arun's mom. Arun's mom is doing well, folks. Arun's mom is in sixth. Uh, oh, shocker, shocker. She has Villanova winning the whole thing uh, over Gonzaga. The only Final Four team Rita has lost uh, is Kentucky, uh, who obviously lost to St. Peter's. A lot of people lost Kentucky that first day. So, um, and then also tied for sixth is, uh, we got a few people tied. I'll shout out everybody tied for, uh, sixth and tenth, at least. Uh, also tied for sixth is Ethan, Ethan Winter. Uh, he's, his bracket name is Picking Blind, which I believe is a lot of us this year, because a lot of us don't really watch college basketball. And uh, he's got Villanova winning the national championship over Gonzaga. So same thing as Rune's mom, but he's also lost Baylor and Auburn in his final four already. Uh, going back to the standings, Amar. I don't know who this is. I don't know anybody named Amar, but Amar is doing well. Uh, I'm glad he's in the bracket challenge. And um, the only final four team Amar has lost is Kentucky. And like, like Brian and... Uh, I believe it was also Bennett. He's got the Gonzaga-Arizona matchup with Gonzaga winning. Uh, all right. And then also, these are all Chad. I believe that's Chad Gabert, former winner of this bracket challenge. Great dude who came on my podcast, the first incarnation. He's also got the Gonzaga-Arizona matchup with Gonzaga winning. He's lost Kentucky and Auburn in his final four. Chad's also tied for six. And then into the 10th the the position, these are there are three people tied for 10th. Tim's uh, stepdad uh, is in the bracket challenge this year. Tim Clark's stepdad. Uh, and he's got the Gonzaga-Arizona matchup. And he's got Arizona winning. He's tied for 10th. Uh, also in 10th is Natalie. Natalie Noble. Uh, former winner of the bracket challenge. Natalie has won this before. And shocker, Natalie has Gonzaga versus Arizona with Arizona winning. Uh, the only Final Four team Natalie has lost is Baylor so far. Obviously, they lost to UNC. And then finally, tied for 10th is Dave. Or Davey. And uh, his bracket name is, and he blows the layup. I, I like it. I like it, Dave. Uh, he has the Gonzaga-Arizona matchup with Arizona winning, uh, but he's lost Baylor and USC in his final four, so it's going to be tough for Dave. Like I said, a lot of people are hammering that Gonzaga-Arizona matchup. Um, it would be crazy if Arkansas just comes in and wins this. I'd love to have Greg on this pot. Greg is a crazy guy. Greg would, Greg would be great on this podcast, honestly. It'd be great to have Greg on. Uh, but anybody who wins the Bracket Challenge we will come on the podcast. Uh, yeah, like I said, I love this tournament so far. I, I'm glad uh, we got people doing the Bracket Challenge. I forgot to shout out uh, Natalie's. Oh, shout out to Natalie also. She just got married recently. And also, shout out to Ethan as well because uh, his daughter was just born. So shout out to Natalie for getting married. Shout out to Ethan for having a kid. Uh, congratulations to both of you, uh, friends of the podcast, for sure. Natalie's bracket name is Natalie in the Clee. Uh, but yeah, uh, C-L-E, like Cleveland. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm really excited for this tournament. Um, I'm really, I'm really, you know, I'm hoping to see 
more upsets, more craziness. The crazier, the better. That's I encourage craziness when it comes to March Madness. Whether you're picking out your bracket or all the upsets or everything, the crazier, the better as far as I'm concerned. All right, I have been talking pretty much nonstop for like an hour now. I need to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to preview tonight's big USA-Mexico showdown at the Azteca. Stick around. All right, baby, it's put up or shut up time for the U.S. men's national team. Their final three qualifiers are this upcoming week, and they are all enormous games. They are huge to get, I mean, this is it. This is your opportunity to get back to the World Cup. Ah, after what happened in 2017, qualifying for the 2018 World Cup, the night in Trinidad, this is a shot at redemption for these boys. And boy, they saved the hardest test for last when it comes to qualifying. Right now, the U.S. national team sits in second position in U.S. in World Cup qualifying. They have 21 points. Canada right now, a virtual lock to qualify for the World Cup. They have 25 points. They are in first right now. Um, uh, sorry, I, I just like I'm so excited for this game. Honestly, I'm much more excited for this game than March Madness. Like, I've, I've been, I, you know, I work at SiriusXMFC, the soccer channel on SiriusXM, so I have been hearing about this game pretty much all week, all month, really. This And this stretch of games and how important it is for the U.S. men's national team, it is vital to get these points. It is crucial. And they say, like I said, they saved the hardest three possible games for last, and they could not be happening at a worse time for the U.S. men's national team because many of our key players are out with injuries. Let's start with Weston McKenney, suffered an injury in the Champions League with Juventus. He's done for the season for Juventus. He's not playing for the national team for a couple of months at least. That We've seen him. He's on crutches. He fractured his metatarsal, actually, which is actually the same injury I had last summer, if you guys will remember, when I broke my foot. So Weston McKinney, my, my brother in foot injury, um, uh, I miss him. I wish he was playing tonight. I really do. Uh, and then Serginio Dest got hurt um, the day the roster came out. The, the day the U.S. men's national team roster came out, Serginio Dest got hurt for Barcelona. Um, Matt Turner was already hurt. Now, there were rumors. I thought this was kind of bullshit. There were rumors that Matt Turner got hurt. In the Honduras game, if you missed it, there were the last U.S. World Cup qualifying game was against Honduras. It was in the beginning of February, and it was in St. Paul, Minnesota, which still does not make any sense to me. I'm sorry. That was extremely risky to put them in that condition. It was like negative 20 degrees in Minnesota that night. It was reckless and dumb by the U.S. Soccer Federation to have that game in Minnesota, in my opinion. Stupid. Just dumb. Outdoors in Minnesota. I'm just to, to clarify, this wasn't at the Vikings Stadium, which is indoors. It was outdoors in Minnesota. It was a dumb, dumb decision. I know the U.S. won the game, but you set yourself up for potential injuries, frostbite. I mean, I was, I, I, you guys know I, I hate TikTok, but I actually saw a TikTok video of a guy who 
had a had a had a beer at that game that was frozen. His beer was frozen at that game. I mean, and this is a dangerous. And we could have beaten Honduras anywhere, anywhere in the country. And you chose to put that game in Minnesota and go full Concacaf. I, I I'm sorry. I still. Do not get it. I don't care that we won that game. I'm glad we won that game, but I do not care that we won that game because it was stupid and reckless. Anyway, Matt Turner, the rumor was that Matt Turner got hurt in that game. It turned out he got hurt in preseason with the New England Revolution. Uh, so blame Bruce Arena if you want. Um, but he's out. Uh, Zach Steffen was hurt for a while, but thankfully he's back. Uh, it was looking like Ethan Horvath, who plays for Nottingham Forest, um, who's a good keeper in his own right. He did beat, um, he came on for Stefan in the Nations League final and beat Mexico, stopping a, a crucial penalty as well. So Ethan Horvath has played Mexico as well, but I think we all feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that Zach Stefan is back for the United States uh, men's national team. And then Brendan Aronson got hurt the last day, like the day, uh, the last day before the international break. Aronson gets scratched. They hoped that he would be able to play. They tried to get him back in time. Um, but Aronson had to... He's going to miss these qualifiers. So that's, what, three, four crucial big-time players that are out for the U.S. Not to mention Chris Richards uh, over at Hoffenheim. He got hurt as well. So our, our, our defense is... is ugh, whew. I'm, I'm shuddering to think what it's going to look like tonight. But... Um, it's going to be, um, it's, anyway, our last three games of World Cup qualifying are Mexico tonight at Azteca. Like I said, big, 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 big game. The U.S. does not win at Azteca Stadium. It does not happen. We do not win in World Cup qualifying at Azteca Stadium. We rarely score at Azteca Stadium. In fact, just off the top of my head, I mean, Charlie Davies, Mike, Michael, uh, Michael Bradley, those are like the only times I remember the U.S. ever scoring at Azteca, it feels like. So, I mean, it just doesn't happen. That makes tonight's game huge. You know what I mean, Azteca is a difficult, brutal place to play. It's like playing in Denver on steroids when it comes to the altitude. Uh, plus, you've got crazy fans all up in your grill. Mexico fans are notorious. They're crazy. We, I mean... I don't want to, you know, the, the, the violence that happened just a couple weeks ago in Mexico, I mean, it has nothing to do with this. I, I hope that they'll take extra security precautions in light of what happened in Mexico a couple weeks ago. But um, uh, it's, it's, they're crazy. They're fans. It's going to be tough. I, 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 am, I just want a point from this game. If they win, I may cry tears of joy. I am staying up late for this game. It's a 10 o'clock kickoff tonight. And I encourage all my fellow Americans to stay up late for this game because this is a huge, huge game for the U.S. men's national team. If they get a win, it might, I might cry tears of joy. I, I, I might cry tears of joy with this. this uh, and so, I, I, whew, man, I'm fired up. I'm fired up just thinking about this game. Uh, but I, realistically, a point would be great. If they get even a nil-nil draw, if they get a nil-nil draw, I'll be okay with staying up that late, honestly. Even if they get a nil-nil draw. I know most people hate boring, scoreless games. But I'll take it. I'll take it in, in this game against Mexico. And now, I don't think this is Mexico's necessarily strongest side. They're behind us in World Cup qualifying right now. So this is a huge game for Mexico as well. Uh, there's a lot of factors going in this game. Tata Martino, Mexico's manager, uh, 
is under extreme scrutiny and 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 stress from the Mexican press and uh, Mexican fans uh, calling for his job. If he loses this game tonight, Tata Martino could be out of a job by Friday morning. Like that's how that's how big of a deal this game is for Mexico as well. So it's a huge game for both sides. It's a huge game for both sides. Now the next game the U.S. plays is the game that everybody seems to think we can win. Uh, it's against Panama. It's in Orlando. Uh, Panama is, is uh, let me take a look at the standings right now. Uh, Panama is currently in fourth in World Cup qualifying, so if it ended today, they would be in the playoff position. I'm sure they want to improve on that. Um, so, And they've also, if I'm not mistaken, already beaten us in World Cup qualifying. Uh, back, back at the beginning of this, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they beat us in, the, in World Cup qualifying. So Panama has a history. The game is in Orlando. This is the only home game of the window for the U.S. men's national team. I've seen a lot of people say the U.S. should field a B team against Mexico tonight and, and, and go all out against Panama. Save the horses, basically. Don't play Pulisic. Don't play Tyler Adams. And, and save them for the Panama game, And which I, I think that's ridiculous. They should absolutely go for the win tonight against Mexico. I mean, and, and I know Tyler Adams is on a yellow card, and let's be honest, Mexico is definitely, definitely going to try and get him another yellow card, so he's suspended for the Panama game. But if you play Tyler, so let, let's let's play a hypothetical game here. If you don't play Tyler Adams tonight against Mexico, and you do play him against Panama, and he gets a yellow card against against Panama, then you lose him for the Costa Rica game. Then you've lost Tyler Adams twice. And Tyler Adams, I mean, the, he said he said it himself. He's been playing responsibly ever since he got that yellow card back in September. So he, I hope Tyler Adams isn't goaded. You know they're going to be going for it. You know Mexico's going to be going to goat Tyler Adams into getting another yellow card. But I, I hope Tyler Adams keeps us cool. You need to play Pulisic in this game. You need to play all your, your main players. I know a lot of the main players are out. But go for the win against... Mexico, and then Panama. If you, if you, if, if, I think we can beat Panama in Orlando. I like our chances against Panama, no matter who's out there. I think we can win that game. I think most people generally think we are going to win the Panama game, and then it all comes down to the Costa Rica game, the last game of the window. It's Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday, the thirtieth. It's at nine o'clock. Uh, it's a huge, huge game, and that's another place where I don't think we've ever won in World Cup qualifying, Costa Rica. Now, this Costa Rica team is not great. Uh, taking a look at the standings, they are fifth. They still mathematically have a chance to get in, but they would need a lot of things to go right. Um, I think we also need Canada to help us out a little bit too. Yes, yes, Canada is playing Costa Rica tonight, 10 o'clock, same time as the USA game. Uh, Canada is playing Costa Rica if they beat them, that would help us. That would definitely help us. And that would definitely. And Canada also plays Panama uh, on next Wednesday as well on on the thirtieth. So if, they, if Canada can win those games, that would really help us out. Now I know Canada. I mean, we don't really have a great. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't. I think we're rivals with Canada at this point. I'd say we're similar footballing nations. I would say. But um, I, so I don't think Canada is going to be like, hey, let's help out the U.S. Let's definitely help out the United States men's national team. Eh? But um, I, I, I would really appreciate if Canada could help us out a little bit. These are going to be very, very stressful times. I, I work with 
Tony Miola on Sirius XMFC, and he always has a really uh, one wise saying I really like from Tony is that uh, he always says World Cup qualifying is either pass or it's fail. And this is a chance for the U.S. men's national team to get rid of the demons that they had uh, from that night in Trinidad, the awful World Cup qualifying, the last World Cup qualifying window. The, the, this is a chance to scrub yourself clean of that. It's a younger generation. Uh, they're hungry. They want to get to the World Cup. Uh, it would be shameful if the U.S. didn't make the World Cup twice in a row. It'd be awful. It would kill the game in this country, in my opinion, if the U.S. missed the World Cup. Now, I know we're hosting in 2026, but that would really slow a lot of momentum if we missed in 2018 and 2022. So, get it done. Go out there, win the game, uh, try and win the game tonight. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I would love a draw. I would love a draw in this game. Uh, I would... I, like I said, I would be very happy with staying up for a nil-nil draw in this one. But uh, it's very scary, obviously, with all the players that I mentioned uh, out. You wonder, uh, guys, who's going to, like, what lineup changes that are going to be. Um, I, I've, I, I had Grant Wall was on the show I worked on this morning, and he, he's thinking that uh, they might start Ricardo Pepe in Azteca, which I think would be, it would be a nice story for Ricardo and his family. He's obviously a Mexican-American, uh, so to start him at, at the Azteca would be huge. Jordan Pifok is in form right now for the U.S. men's national team. Um, I, guys, I, I still think Eunice Musa is going to play a huge role for this team. I love Eunice Musa. Um, yeah, Miles and Anthony Robinson, Jedi Robinson, they got to, they got to step it up on defense. Uh, our defense is that's the, that's what concerns me right there. I mean, the defensive line is gonna be is gonna be tough. I they they got I, Miles Robinson's not playing well. Anthony Robinson's good, but who else is gonna play with him? I, I I just I just hope Greg doesn't fall in love with his MLS guys here as well. Which I would be surprised if we don't see a couple MLS guys, maybe a Christian Roldan or a Jordan Morris, a Jomo. Ah man, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, but. I encourage all my fellow Americans to watch this game tonight. Uh, stay up late if you, uh, if you have to. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, it starts at a perfect time for you, 7 o'clock. But uh, for those of us on the East Coast, uh, got to stay up a little late. Um, oh man, it's going to be tough. Going to be tough tonight in Mexico. But if they, if they just somehow can get a point and go into that Panama game, win the Panama game, and then not even have to worry too much about Costa Rica. That would be great. That's my thoughts on the U.S. Men's National Team. Come on, you, you Yanks. Let's go. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll, talk, we'll do a, like a, a little outro here. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Knicks, a little bit about the Rangers, some other stories in sports that I may have missed. Uh, so let's get into it, folks. All right. I don't really have too much to say about the Knicks to the point where I can do a full – Nick's segment, so I can combine it with the Rangers a little bit here. Um, look, I, I mean, obviously, I'm still watching every game. I'm a diehard Knicks fan. I'll always be a diehard Knicks fan. This season has sucked. There's, there's no other way around it. Uh, this has been a very disappointing season for the Knicks. Uh, I mean, they're they're always outside of last year. Last year feels like the only time I haven't been disappointed in like the last decade as a Knicks fan. But this season. You know, it started off well. They started 5-1, and one, but ever since then, things have just not been the same. 
Um, I know a lot of Knicks fans want Tom Thibodeau fired, which I still think is a little extreme. Yes, his rotations frustrate me to no end. Uh, I, I mean, I think they frustrate every Knicks fan to no end. you got to wonder why he doesn't play guys like Obi Toppin more and things like that. Uh, but and, and, and the kids like Jericho Sims, Miles McBride, Deuce McBride, I wish they would get more playing time. But look, this is a guy who just won Coach of the Year last year. Uh, he got the Knicks in the four seed last year. I know that's last year and this year is different. But I think it's still too soon to fire Tom Thibodeau. It's incredible how intense Knicks fans are when it comes to wanting him fired. I, the thing that concerns me, though, if they did fire Tom Thibodeau, as frustrating as he's been this season, and yes, he's been very frustrating, I don't want to go back to the dark ages. Yeah, I, Derek Fisher, Jeff Hornacek, uh, David Fisdale. Ugh, ugh, ugh. I do not want to go back to the dark ages of that. All right, I re- that was literally just a few years ago. And then we got Tom Thibodeau. He won Coach of the Year, and now you all want to go back to that? Like, the constant ro- rotating of coaches, like, every other year? Like, come on. I, you guys are crazy, Knicks fans. I, I tell you, Knicks fans are nuts. Knicks fans are nuts. Uh, I would get rid of Julius Randle this offseason or try and unload him to another team. Uh, I think it's time to make this R.J. Barrett's team and Julius Randle's attitude this season – I like Julius Randle. I still like Julius Randle. He was the most improved player last year, but his attitude this season has been shitty. It's been awful. He has been acting like a dick this season. I don't know why, but Julius Randle has been a total jerk this season. And I mean, we, we saw it in the game against the Jazz just on Sunday. I it's, he's acting like we got messing around with Rudy Gobert. I mean, he's acting like a jerk. And um He's been out for the last two games, the Hawks game and the Hornets game last night. Uh, they said it's something to do with his knee, but honestly, I feel like they almost benched him just because he, he's been acting such, like such a jerk. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I like him still personally, um, but I, I think it's best for everybody that they move on. And they try and build around R.J. Barrett, who's having a really nice third season in the NBA. He's not... Like, I thought RJ might win most improved player at the start of the season. Doesn't quite seem like that's going to happen. But uh, I do I, I do like the progress he's made. He's had a lot of 30-point games. He had that one great 40, I believe it was 44, 46-point game against the Miami Heat a couple weeks ago, the first game after the All-Star break. Uh, I, I'm really liking the development of RJ this year. I would love to see Obi Toppin play more. As you guys know, I'm a huge Obi Toppin fan. Uh, he started last night with uh, Randall and Mitchell Robinson both out, but um, I don't know why, why Thibodeau won't play him. I mean, he drafted him with a number nine pick overall. He might as well play the guy a little bit. Uh, Quickly's been playing better lately. Um, Evan Fournier broke the all-time record. Like, I think I said this in the intro. Evan Fournier broke the all-time record for three-pointers made in the season with the Knicks. A lot of Knicks fans are frustrated with Fournier. They don't really like him, honestly. Uh I mean, we had Reggie Black last season and replaced him with Evan Fournier. Uh, and Reggie, uh, I, I, even with replacing e- Reggie Bullock, I still think Evan Fournier has been a nice addition this season. I mean, he broke the record. He's doing what he came here to do, all right? Shoot threes and, and you know, attempt on defense, I guess, is the, the word to describe it. All right. Um, the defense is gone. I don't know. The defense that marked that number four seed team last year is just like gone on this team. It's frustrating if you're a Knicks fan. Um, 
I, 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 we'll see where they go from here. They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, they're, they're not a playoff team. Just looking at the standings right now uh, in the uh, in the whole whole conference, really, uh, they are five games back of the Atlanta Hawks for the last play-in spot. I, I don't see it happening. They have basically the same record as the Washington Wizards. There's only like ten games left. So I, I just don't see it happening this year for the Knicks. Uh, but they can build. Like, I really like what these young kids are showing. If I were the Knicks, I'd go out there. I'd try and get a Jalen Brunson. Uh, I think Jalen Brunson would be a really great addition for the team. Obviously, his father played for the Knicks in 1999. He was on the team that went to the uh, NBA Finals against the Spurs. Um, so it would be a nice like little homecoming story for Jalen Brunson. But I, I still think that this team, they're going to keep Tom Thibodeau. They've they've pretty much announced that they're definitely going to bring back Tom Thibodeau, but I would trade Randall. I would definitely try and trade Julius Randall as as much, you know. I I, I still like the guy, but like I, it's just not working out here. All right, it's just this season was a disaster from the start. He got the whole fan base to hate him with the thumbs down thing, uh, and even though he apologized for that, uh, it was just really like. And also his wife on Twitter, she came after CP. CP is like one of the most loyal, dedicated Knicks fans on Twitter. He runs Knicks Fan TV. He's like, he never talks shit about any of the players. But he, his wife, Julius Randle's wife, came after CP. How does that make any sense? I was like, what are you doing, Kyra, Kyra, Kendra Randle is his wife's name? I don't, it just seems like the Randles want out. It seems like they, they're not built for the New York spotlight and they've got to go. So, um... That's what I hope happens. Uh, I, I think uh, I think it's best for everybody involved that the Knicks make a move involving Julius Randle uh, and get him off the team. Uh, just looking at the upcoming schedule, the Knicks play the top seed Miami Heat uh, on Friday uh, tomorrow at eight o'clock. That's probably a loss. They play the Pistons on Sunday at three thirty. It's probably a win, and then they play the Bulls and Hornets the rest of the next week as well. Uh, and then going into April, the last games of the season are against the Cavs, Magic, the Nets, Wizards, and the Raptors. The Wizards game is actually the only time the Knicks come to D.C. this year. And honestly, I think I'm going to pass on that. I, I, I think I'm going to pass on seeing my own team. Unless somebody like comes up with free tickets or something. I think I'm going like, to... The tickets are really expensive whenever the Knicks come to town for some reason. And it's the second to last game of the season. Let's be honest, both the Knicks and the Wizards kind of suck. So... I think I'm going to pass on going to the last, uh, the second to last game of the season at Capital One Arena. That's Friday, April 8th. Uh, just look for development of the kids. You know, I hope they all end up uh, turning up good. I really like Deuce McBride. Quentin Grimes was out for a little while with an injury. He dislocated his knee, but he's back now. I really love Quentin Grimes. I think a lot of Knicks fans everywhere really love Quentin Grimes. We'll see if they re-sign Mitchell Robinson. I think Mitchell Robinson is going to get a huge contract somewhere this offseason. We'll just see if the Knicks are the team that gives it to him. Would not be surprised if he left, though. Could be a completely different team next year. Could, could really be a completely different team next year. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, we'll see what they do in the draft as well uh, and free agency. Like I said, I really, really, really would love Jalen Brunson on the Knicks. Uh, and then just take a look at the Rangers. The Rangers have been doing great this season. I've really been no, – look, I've been getting back into hockey, folks. I, I've, I've been getting back into hockey. i, I got to admit, I, 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 I don't know. Not, the Rangers being good again, or uh, the fact that it's you know not a terrible sport, I don't know. 
I'm getting back into hockey. I'm getting back into hockey. And the Rangers are currently in third place, and they have a game in hand over the Pittsburgh Penguins as well. Uh, and the Washington Capitals, who are right behind them. Rangers are in third place in the Metro Division. Carolina, who the Rangers just beat this last week, by the way. I want to say, man, those back-to-back games against Tampa Bay and Carolina were great. Those were two of the best Rangers victories in the last decade, if you ask me. A grind-out win against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions uh, with Igor Shesterkin, who, like I said... That dude's definitely winning the Vezina Trophy, in my opinion. Best goaltender in the league, not even close, in my opinion. Without a doubt, Igor Shosturkin is the best, in my opinion. Um, he that, that game was just great, and Amika scoring the game-winning goal against Tampa as well. Uh, that, this just feels good to beat Tampa Bay, you know? It, it always feels good to beat the champs, in their building, nonetheless. Uh, and then, to follow it up, the very next night, Georgiev starts for the Rangers, and he hit, pitches a shutout. Against Carolina, first place Carolina as well, uh, in their building. Uh, although a lot of Rangers fans there, kind of kind of felt like our building a little bit too. Uh, and to, to get goals from uh, from Kreider and uh, the new guy Frank Vetrano. Uh, Rangers got three new players at the deadline, uh, and Vetrano was one of them. And he scored in this game, his eleventh of the season. Uh, that was just a great. Those were back to back. Back-to-back nights, great wins for the Rangers. I I loved I loved those games. That 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 made me real like. Look, I mean, I've been watching them pretty much all year, but those wins were kind of like what opened my eyes and made me realize this is a special team we got in New York. We got a special team at the Garden right now. Uh, unfortunately, they kind of shit the bed in their most recent game, a 7-4 to loss to the Devils, who they had beaten eight straight times before this game. Um, I, you know, As I said, I've been working kind of early lately, so I went to bed early. I watched like the first two, the first period and a half of this game, and the Rangers had a 2-0 lead. In this game, when I went to bed, and I was like, "All right, well, they're gonna win. They they own the Devils. The Devils suck. There's no way they're gonna lose this game." And when I checked my phone, I rolled over in the middle of the night, checked my phone, and saw the Rangers lost seven to four. I was like, "What? Seven to four? Like, what?" I was really surprised. I was really, really surprised. I tell you that they lost that game to the Devils. They never lose to the Devils. The Devils are like basically an extra home game. There's so many Rangers fans in that building. So. A little surprise there. That's their most recent game. Uh, looking at the upcoming schedule, they play the Penguins on Friday. That's a big, big game. That is a big-time game. I am very much looking forward to that game. That is a Friday 7 o'clocker. Uh, uh, give, that, give me that game. Uh, give me that game. I, uh, that's the game in hand. The Rangers have a chance to catch Pittsburgh by winning this game. Um uh, Let's go Rangers. Win that game against the Penguins. And then after that, they actually play the Penguins twice this week. They play the Sabres in between, though. They play the Sabres on Sunday. And then on Tuesday, they go to Pittsburgh to play the Penguins. The first game, the game on Friday tomorrow night, uh, is at MSG. Uh, and then on, on Wednesday, uh, yeah, it's back-to-back. It's Chara. The back-to-back, they play the Rangers, and uh, the Rangers play the Penguins, and then they play the Red Wings on the 30th. That's on TNT, nationally televised. Loving TNT's hockey coverage, by the way. I think they're doing a great job. Uh, ESPN, too. I think they're they're both doing a really good job, I think, in their first seasons. A lot of people don't like it, but um, <coughs> excuse me. overall, I, I think TNT is doing a really good job. Uh, I think they did the, got the right people in, for sure. Uh, I'm not going to go through the rest of the schedule, because there's still so many games in the season, but I definitely got my eyes on that last game of the season against the Washington Capitals on April 29th. Uh, that's, you know, another game against the Caps. Uh, as you guys know, I'm not a huge fan 
of the Washington Capitals. Uh, so I'm hoping to win that game as well. Um, yeah, I just take advantage of you know these these uh, this schedule. Try and you know catch up to these teams. There's still a lot of games left. There's still like 16, 17 games left in the season for the Rangers. But I'm really loving this team. Kreider, Mika, Fox, Igor. Those guys are all world class players in my opinion. Uh, this is a fun team to watch. The only game that they they lost that I was kind of surprised they lost was when they retired Henrik Lundqvist's jersey. That was a great night, by the way. Obviously, I haven't done the podcast in a while, but that was a great night in uh, the end of January where they retired Henrik Lundqvist's jersey. It was a great ceremony. It was really cool to see Henrik get his number retired, and then they lost to the Wild. I was like, what? Why are you losing to the Minnesota Wild on Henrik Lundqvist's night? Why are you even having Henrik Lundqvist's night against the Minnesota Wild? You only have it against a team he, he dominated, like the Devils or the Penguins or something. But, um... Yeah, I'm loving this Rangers team. The Knicks, a little less so. Uh, NYC FC, uh, I've, I've been following them too as well. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about them. Yeah, sure, why not in this little abbreviated Brian's Beloved. Shout out to Pat Honan. Um, NYC FC has been kind of inconsistent this year. Um, obviously, I think there might be a little bit of a hangover, honestly, if you ask me. you know, Obviously, they won the championship last year. Uh, it counts, by the way. It is very much a New York championship. It counts. It, th- we don't have a title drought anymore, New York. We won a championship in December, NYCFC. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of a championship hangover in the league. They lost their first game to the Galaxy 1-0 on a Chicharito goal. That was kind of late. Um, then they drew 0-0 with Vancouver in their second game. They dominated their third game at Yankee Stadium. That's when they unveiled their banner. Oh, God. If you guys have not seen NYCFC's banner. So, like I said, NYCFC won the championship last year. They won the MLS Cup. It is New York's first championship since the Giants. And you know how they celebrated? They unveiled a tiny, teeny, tiny little Kinko's banner at, at, the, at Yankee Stadium that says 2021 MLS champs. And I'm just like... It reminded me of Spinal Tap, you know, when, when they get the Stonehenge dimensions wrong and they, like, lower the little tiny Stonehenge onto the, onto the stage. Well, that's what the, the Kinko, it's like Kinko's banner that they got for NYCSC. It's, like, tied with zip ties. I mean, it's so stupid. They won that game, though, NYCFC 4-1, and then they lost uh, their, their next game in the league to the Philadelphia Union. I have a co-worker at Sirius named Emmett, Emmett McConnell. Shout out to him. Uh, he's a great dude. But he's a big, big time Philadelphia Union fan, and we talk a little as much as we try and talk t- trash as much as we can to each other when these two teams meet up. And um, Emmett's talking all the trash this week because the Union kicked our ass two nil uh, in the uh, most recent game for NYCFC. They've also been playing in the Concacaf Champions League. Um, I don't remember if I got a chance to talk about this, but NYCFC had to play a Concacaf Championship game in a home game. Remember, this is a team in New- that's based in New York. They had to play a home game in the CONCACAF Champions League in L.A. before the start of the season. I mean, what the hell? How does that make any sense at all? Are you kidding me? That was stupid. But they are through to the semifinals of that tournament. The semifinals are at the, begin- in the, middle of- or at the beginning of April. Excuse me, the beginning of April. Uh, and they'll play the Seattle Sounders. So... One MLS team, at least, is guaranteed to go to the finals of this tournament. Against them. It'll be against the Liga MX team, a Mexican team. So hopefully that team is NYCFC, and hopefully they win the whole damn thing. But uh, off to a bit of a slow start this year in league play. 
uh, is NYCFC. So that's a little local NYC sports recap uh, for you guys. Um, any other teams? I, I mean, the Giants haven't really done anything too much other than Rick, they signed Ricky Seals-Jones. I know that for a fact because he came to his press conference wearing an Astros hat and looking like a dumbass. Like, why would you do that? Like, everybody was commenting on the Giants' Twitter page when, when they unveiled Ricky Seals-Jones. They're like, wrong hat! How dare you wear that hat? Take off that hat! Like, like everybody was, uh, including me, by the way. I should, I, I should point out that I definitely tweeted wrong hat at, at the Giants for Ricky Seals Jones wearing that hat. But that's pretty much the only move the Giants have made. We'll talk about it, I guess, a little bit closer to the draft uh, when we get closer to that. But yeah, that's just a quick NYC sports roundup. All right, I said I'd try and keep this episode relatively short. Yet I still. Uh, went for over an hour and 25 minutes, so I think I think I'm gonna end this here. Honestly, I, I can't think of too much else to talk about. But anyway, I do want to say once again, you know, relax if you're a Yankees fan. Let the season play out. Uh, and have fun with your brackets as well. Um, I hope everybody enjoys March Madness tonight uh, and tomorrow as well. Uh, come on, U.S. Men's National Team, uh, just get to the World Cup, please. Please get to the World Cup. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it when it comes to today's episode. I will probably, like I said, at the start of this episode, when I have free time, I will try and record a podcast. Whenever I've got something on my mind, I will try and record a podcast, something I need to get off my chest. I will try and do it. I know I was gone for a really long time, but it feels good to be back. So I, I will keep keep doing this as long as you guys will want this. So uh, I thank you for your support, uh, understanding, and uh, thank you for listening. As usual, uh, we'll be back as soon as uh, as soon as I as soon as I can, really, as soon as I can record another episode. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this today. So um, thank you for listening to today's episode, folks, and I'll talk to you next time.